France. On today's show, we are actually going to have a bit of a rerun. It's been a really busy week here at the Chancery, so I had to slip in a rerun this time, but you do not get a rerun of Dr. Uh, Bergwald. So we're going to, uh, the interview today will be um, Sarah Vetch uh, talking about Is Gaming Bad? It was a really good interview before, and we thought, let's replay that one because there's an awful lot of gaming going on out there. So I uh, hope you'll stick around for that if you didn't hear it the first time or just as a refresher. Uh, first, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald in the studio for a brand new Biblical Bites with Dr. Brand new. No reruns brand here. Brand new. No reruns. We can't rerun Biblical, Biblical Bites. Bites. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't yes, make sense. Yes, it's, uh, it's uh, the third Sunday of Advent coming up. Right. Um, right. This <laughs> that isn't going to work out very well. <laughs> uh, what is this Sunday, Elise? The Ascension. Oh, wow. Yes, you got it. And uh, if you live across the border to our south in the Archdiocese of Omaha, what is it, Elise? It is oh, the seventh Sunday of Easter. That's right. I <laughs> yeah. love the... Uh, the confidence. The confidence in that. Uh, yeah. So Omaha is one of the... Um, let's see. I, I have the list here. The, the, the province of Boston, um, Hartford, Connecticut, New York, Newark, New Jersey... Omaha and Philadelphia all celebrate the Ascension on Thursday. So they do it by province, not diocese. Correct. Ah, okay. So the province of Omaha is all of the diocese of Nebraska, for sure. I'm not sure what other diocese, but so yeah, it's by province, and that's just that it needn't be that way. But that's just sort of uh, so. If we were able ever to celebrate. Uh, Ascension Thursday, we likely would do it with the the Dakota, Minnesota and the Dakotas. Right. That's our province. Right. Uh, so it'd probably be a provincial yeah. decision. Yeah. So send your petitions to Archbishop Hebda. <laughs> to, <laughs> <laughs> um, and time permitting, we actually touch on, not, not petitions to Archbishop Hebda, but the, the idea of the transfer of okay. Ascension oh, yeah, from yeah. Thursday yeah. to Sunday. But yeah. we'll see. Okay. Where I want to start with is in the first reading. So it's the Ascensions where we're commemorating how 40 days, celebrating, um, participating in actually. Yes, there you go. Uh, Three times. 40 days. <laughs> all those were true. Right, uh, true. <laughs> Jesus ascending from earth into heaven um, 40 days after he rose from the dead on Easter. Just one quick thing on the idea of the ascension. You know, I think a lot of us, we think of the resurrection, mm -hmm. um, a heavenly kind of thing. Uh, he died. Uh, we think, well, and he goes to, in, down to hell. But Jesus in his humanity, so in his body, but also in his soul, um, eh, this gets a little tricky, actually. It, in his body, for sure, had not gone to heaven. Right, right. Jesus had not gone to heaven. The ascension is Jesus' body and soul, and in his divinity, going to heaven. Okay. Okay. I'm confused about something, but go ahead. Oh, I could tell. Well, I'm just wondering, does he have, doesn't he have his glorified body after resurrection? He does. How does he have that if he hasn't? But you have to go to heaven to get a glorified body? Apparently not. Apparently Jesus does not. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> Uh, this gets into the whole thing of what heaven is. Maybe some episode oh. of Catholic Views or Ignition, we can talk more okay, about sure. what heaven is. But what I want to key on is from the first reading, which is um, for Acts of the Apostles, the first 11 verses of Acts. So okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, uh, where we get an account of the ascension. Okay. This is how it starts. In the first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he goes on from there. So in the first book of Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did. Who's I? 
in the first book, Theophilus, I dealt with. I'm trying to remember. Who the heck is this? Whoever, whoever wrote Acts of the Apostles, and I can't remember who it was. Well, and, and he wrote another book, it sounds like. Right. Which we don't have in the Bible. Right? Elise? I'm kind of confused by the question. <laughs> You so the me. first verse of Acts is, in the first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did. Who's speaking there? Who's who's writing that? Who says, this, somebody says, I dealt with all that. Who is that? So it's the author. Do we know who the author is? Uh, and what's the, the, and he talks about his first book. Well, so this is like- Was it Paul? No. No. And no. not John? No. So who, who was the- Mark? Matthew. You Luke? just go down. No. <laughs> yes. Luke. Finally. <laughs> I'm just going to name them all. <laughs> Luke is the author of Acts. Okay. If you read the beginning of Luke's gospel, um, Luke is speaking to Theophilus. Right. Um, a lover of God. So is Theophilus somebody's real name or is it sort of like a stand-in name for all the disciples? Sure. Uh, friend of God. Friend of God. Friend, lover of God. So Luke, volume one, Luke, volume one is the gospel, according mm-hmm. to Luke, mm-hmm. in which he tells us everything that Jesus did in his earthly body right. uh, on earth. Luke, volume two is actually the apostles, okay. in which Luke tells us what Jesus in his mystical body ah, did okay. at the beginning of its life. So volume one is on Jesus's human body mm-hmm. and, and it's life on earth. Volume two is on its mystical body, his wow. mystical body, okay. which I mean, which is what? What's Jesus' mystical body? What's the, uh, the Eucharist? No. no. The body of Christ means two things, the Eucharist and, oh, and the church. The church. Sure. So the church is the body of Christ. So we're in the gospel, we read about the body of Christ, literally. Mm-hmm. In Acts, we read about the body of Christ mystically. Right. Okay. The mystical body of Christ. So both volumes. So when you, if if you're, if you went to mass, or if you're going to go to mass, when you hear the beginning of Acts, Theophilus is again either somebody that Luke knows or a stand-in, and Luke's talking, writing to him. Just as volume one was about Jesus and what he did on earth in his earthly life, now volume two is about Jesus in his body, the church, and how it starts off. So this is leading us, of course, towards next Sunday, which right. will be Elise. Oh. Pentecost. Yes. Okay, wow. Yeah, <laughs> Pentecost. Uh, so it's all about Jesus and his body, the church, for these next couple of weeks. I look forward to it, and thank you for that illuminating story. You bet. In the studio with me today, I have a special treat. This is Sarah Vetch. She is here. She's a clinical counselor from the Lord Center, new with the Lord Center. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came in today. Um, there was a topic that we really wanted. We wanted to introduce you first to the diocese because sure. you're new with the Lord Center. Yeah. And there's a topic we wanted to talk to talk about in particular um, about gaming and relationships, basically both marriage relationships and family relationships, uh, because we ran a little uh, a short story in the Bishop's Bulletin a few months ago um, about gaming, and it got lots of attention on social media and stuff. And we were like, "Ooh, maybe people want to know." That. My husband, who's not a gamer, he was like, "That was a really interesting story. You guys should talk about that more." Okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah. thought we better do that. And Sarah was kind enough to say, "I would love to talk about that." Sure. <laughs> you bet. I'm happy to be. Good. Thanks a lot. 
Um, will you first, since you're new, will you let us uh, kind of fill us in a little bit about you and how you ended up at the Lord Center? Sure. Yeah. So I have a really, um, it's an interesting story because okay. I have a campus ministry background. Oh. I was, I was actually a stay-at-home mom. Great human beings. <laughs> but as they were maturing, had the opportunity to get into campus ministry at Okay. And had a great experience there. Um, was the director of the and, mm-hmm. and other special events in the mission. But just had a great um, fellow campus minister and a great chaplain and just had a really life-giving, wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. My husband's job brought us to Austin, which right. is our home area. Right. Is and that where then, you're from originally? Yep. I okay. grew up and graduated from Mount Holly. Okay. Um, so as we were back in the area and our nest was empty, our son was going to start freshman year. Um, looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. I just went to the president of the Catholic school in Aberdeen and I gave him my resume. I said, this is who I am. This is what I do. And they created a spot for me oh, wow. at Ron College. So it was, it was really a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happened that I found myself praying a lot with students who were hurting. And mm-hmm. The president just recognized a need um, because unfortunately their school. Oh, and so, um, I was asked to go back and get a master's mm-hmm. and kind of with a, I don't want to say a flippant arrogance, but just to own that, like I'm legally blonde when she says, Oh, Harvard law, like that's not hard. <laughs> I can do that. Uh, and then you're like, like, wait a second, this uh, might be hard. Right. I was like, sure. I'd be happy to do that. That sounds fun. Counseling kids sounds fun. And so went on, pursued a master's degree in school counseling and it is hard mm-hmm. and um, found that there's so much more to school counseling than Right. And just just by virtue of experience came to realize that that was not my joy. Oh. And um, so resigned that position after a couple of years. And then I just took a year to sit mm-hmm. and to pray and to be still. And it was post-COVID. So there's just sure. a lot that, that, that was encapsulated in that. Um, but just really found myself sitting at the Lord's feet. And just by virtue of, I don't even know, but a connection with Emma. Mm-hmm. The um, of the Lord Center, just continued to have dialogue and pondered what would it look like perhaps to do counseling clinically sure. instead of in a school. Sure. So just as that conversation evolved and continued to pray, the Lord actually brought me here to serve. Yeah. And I'm excited, excited to be here. Started this fall and having a great experience. I'm on the road a little bit right yep. now. Yep. So between Aberdeen, Watertown, and Sioux Falls, I'll be serving people. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, it's been an adventure and it's been a wonderful experience and such a great culture and I love the um, fellowship and expertise of my coworkers mm-hmm. and directors mm-hmm. so it's been a really great good and it's really nice that uh, Lord Center can bring some uh, counseling uh, opportunities to Watertown I know there's yeah. maybe been some in Aberdeen already yeah. or maybe are you the first one up there actually there's a um, another counselor that served on Tuesdays. And okay. That's right. Thursdays. Okay. So, I, kn- I thought there was another one yep. up there perhaps. So that's yeah, really great. So it's been, and Watertown especially is exciting just yes. because it's new and, and the, the um, parish community that supports the office there is just fire and yes. excited. Yes. So it's been great. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, that will be really good for you. So, yeah. all right. Um, good. So let's start with uh, the, the gaming portion. So mm-hmm. there's lots of people who play video games mm-hmm. of some type. So this is really a problem and, and how is it a problem if you're, if it's too much? Sure. That's, that's a great question. 
Um, I just want to give you some fast facts yeah. just so we understand the scope. That would of, be helpful. Gaming. Yes. Um, 66% of the population. Wow. That's 214 million Americans play video games. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, that's a huge number. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we play them on our phone. We play them on consoles. We play them on computers. Yep. And not that it, I don't want to use the word pervasive, but very available. Right. Readily available. Can I ask a question about that? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about all types of games? Like, for instance, I play solitaire on my phone. Correct. That includes that. Yes. I'm a gamer. Yeah. Shoot. You are totally a gamer. <laughs> so interesting also, the average age. Wow. So, yeah. So grandma and grandpa playing solitaire, um, you know, anything <laughs> I'm not down a grandma, to a, if that's a what you're one. getting at. But, but that's, that's who's playing. What I'm saying is right. that's who's yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah. And like everybody. Um, yeah, down to the little ones on an on a mm-hmm. So everybody's playing. Um, 78% of women play on their phone. Okay. Which is a little different than dudes. Dudes uh, will play on a console. <laughs> oh, sure. That makes sense. So, yep. Because so, they're usually playing something like Wii or I'm going to date myself. I don't even know what the current <laughs> one is. Our producer's laughing at me because <laughs> she's okay. much younger than me. That's, o- that's okay. That's okay. Um, so, so, yeah, it's just... Um, it is readily available, and 75% of people have a console in their home. Wow. So three quarters of mm-hmm. gaming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a part of the culture. Uh, as we age, so the 55 to 64-year-old age category, they play for stimulation. Okay. They want to keep their brain sharp. Sure. Their motivation yep. to play is that far is more mine. than recu- yep. recreation. Yep. Yep. And then 38% of gamers are aged 18 to 30. Okay. So we would think of that young adult yep. um, group, which which probably when we think of gamers, I would think of a teenager or a young adult first yes. and foremost. Yes. And then 21% are under 18. So over half are under age 30. Right. Right. That's not a surprise. Yeah. And then 90% play video games. 90%, 90%. I wonder, did you see any any numbers for how that has grown over the years? No, I didn't. I looked at current mm-hmm. stuff. What's interesting, though, is um, we have a story of little tyke that had an Etch-A-Sketch. Uh-huh. And as kids, we would play with the Etch-A-Sketch, yep. right, and draw the picture. Well, this little tyke picked up the Etch-A-Sketch, and he was, oh, he was hitting it. Point at like it. An yeah, I, use like it. an iPad mm-hmm. because their brain and their experience says, oh, I touch that and something happens, right. not I turn a knob and right. something happens. Yeah, yeah, so it really does. Your brain just works in different ways then, yeah. doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So obviously there are some people who are playing maybe too much. So what does a gaming addiction look like? That's a great question. And when we think about gaming as a, as a hobby or as a leisure activity, there's such a fine line between virtue. Right. Right. So we always want to be mindful of that moderation that we're called to. Yeah. But um, just because we're mindful and aware that we're maybe playing a lot, sometimes that habit turns into mm-hmm. to an addiction. Mm-hmm. And um, these are some signs that you may be gaming. And <laughs> and I would parlay anybody who's not a gamer to put their favorite hobby into the same questioning. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So, okay. so we're talking about gaming today, but yep. think about golf or fishing right. or hunting or shopping or whatever right. it is. Okay. And then see see how this sits with you if gaming's not. Sure. But um, signs you may be addicted to gaming. And this is from a website of addict. Oh, okay. That now advocates for gaming addicts. This is his list. Mm-hmm. 
preoccupation. So when you're not gaming, you're thinking. Okay. Withdrawal when you stop playing. You get agitated, irritable if you're not able. Mm -hmm. Tolerance. You're playing so much that it takes either longer to get the satisfaction and pleasure you normally would. Oh, wow. Or if your game has built in um, features that you purchase, Mm -hmm. you need to purchase more to get that. Okay. So you build up a tolerance. Okay. If you have an unsuccessful attempt to control your game. Oh, boy. So think about that. So so my mom is on my case. I've been gaming too much. I flunked my test. You know, I'm grounded from gaming. Mm -hmm. And wow, all of a sudden. Can't not do right. So right. Yeah. Um, loss of interest in other hobbies. I was out for sports, or I used to go to the gym. I no longer do, so that I can. Mm-hmm. And then that excessive use over a period of time, like the World Health Organization, for their um, diagnosis that gaming is an addiction, mm-hmm. they actually look at a twelve-month time span. Okay. However, if all of these attributes are present, they will diagnose it in. Okay. Time. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. So here's a big one, deception. I'm lying about my use. I'm hiding my gaming. Yep. I'm not admitting that I'm gaming. I'm looking for ways to game that nobody knows about. Oh, boy. So anytime we want to hide, that should be a red flag. Mm -hmm. Something's not right here. Right. And this also is really indicative of low mood or you're having a bad day. Your go-to. Oh, boy. It's yeah, not that's... talking to somebody who loves you. Mm-hmm. It's not prayer. It's not a walk outside mm-hmm. to connect with nature. Right. I'm in a low mood. I'm going to. Right. Right. Those are uh, super helpful because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, I don't have a problem, but they might hear, see themselves in that mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's interesting that you say replace it with some other hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I wouldn't have thought of that. And that's very true. It could be something else that's not gaming. We have to pay attention to the things we're addicted to. Yeah. And the last one that I think, like, negative impact on you. Yeah. So we as human beings are immunity and anything that isolates us and takes us out of those key relationships. Probably something. Right. Yeah. So that's really the next place I want to go because, um, I, I've actually known some some marriages that have kind of basically fallen apart because of gaming. Um, so, what is the damage that that causes in a marriage, and why is that such a such a uh, bad place to go? That's a that's a great question. Uh, if we look at um, relationships mm-hmm. and we look at trust, affection, and all of those things that give us that quality in our relationships that is near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, when something breaks trust, our attachments. Right. And when someone is focused on me, the phrase that's really resonated with me is taking your eyes off your beloved. Oh, yeah. And taking your eyes off the beloved. Mm-hmm. So anything that interferes my, with my relationship with the Lord, and then anything that happens with my relationship with the those are things to be and, and so to, to really get into the nuts and bolts, um, there's a really great study out of Brigham Young. Okay. And they actually looked at over 2,100 couples that were in relationships five years or longer mm. and how gaming impacted mm-hmm. their relationship. And the bottom line, the brass tacks there was it wasn't so much about the gaming, but it was the other person's perception. Right. And that's 
that was an eye opener for me because when you think about it, the amount of gaming negotiable, the game you're playing may be. Mm-hmm. But if I am feeling slighted or not attended to or trust is broken because of your gaming, that perception mm-hmm. is really what impacts the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can really, to me, um, because it interrupts the connection so mm-hmm. much, it's almost like, now it's not cheating. I understand that, but it's almost like that because mm-hmm. you've, you've taken all your attention away and, and given it to something else. Yeah. It was surprising to me in my research. Uh, they, the um, addiction itself or the, the gaming culture, people would report that they have better relationships with their partner online in their game than they do their spouse in real mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And so their time and affection and their, their emotional resources actually go to their community as opposed to their actual family friends physical right right yeah Yeah. it does and now there was something um you had kind of given me a sneak peek at some of your research and there was some stuff in there about attachment theory can you talk about that a little bit and how that comes into play sure so historically attachment theory looked at um parental and child attachment Mm -hmm. from john bowlby Mm -hmm. so he was way back way back but as we parlay that and we look at it in uh, marital bonds couple, there's really three things, and especially the study Young looked at, it looked at accessibility of partners, mm-hmm. engagement of partners, and response okay. of partners. So, so when they measured those things with the gaming culture and gaming within a couple's relationship, those things were highly, highly, uh, I want to, I don't want to say volatile, but they were responsive mm-hmm. to gaming perceptions couple sure. each member of the mm-hmm. regarding gaming and um when we look at partners that both game um their attachments seem to be strong and healthy oh sure because yeah. they they agreed on that hobby mm-hmm. right um and then partners that one games and one doesn't is kind of where troubles lie right because that perception of the non-gaming partner was really chip and that can lead to quarreling it can lead to broken trust. It can lead, you know, just to going to bed at different times. I mean, very simple, basic things, but for a healthy attachment in a couple, Mm -hmm. you really need those three. Yeah. Yeah. You almost really start living two separate lives Mm -hmm. in a way. If you're not going to bed at the same time, you're not doing the same things with each other or doing anything with each other. So are there some things, there's two things I really want to be able to talk about yet. And that's some, some solutions Mm -hmm. for, how to deal with this type of problem and the spiritual aspects. So can you give us some ideas and maybe it's counseling, but are there some, some things that can help this, especially marriages, but in families perhaps too? Yeah. So when we think of human flourishing, that's really the question. Mm -hmm. How can we flourish? Um, And how can couples connect to have a happy marriage? Yeah. And And what honors our dignity Mm -hmm. um, in that sacrifice? So intentional leisure is good. Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't, again, this isn't just about gaming. Intentional right. leisure is good. It's life. But I, I will stand on anything that takes our eyes off our beloved mm-hmm. and the beloved is, is probably not going to help us. Right. And so in that regard to bring order back to things, there's a quote I'd really like, yeah. I'd really like to read. Um, and this is from Saintly Solutions by Father Joseph Esper. It said, God is able to provide us with all that we need 
and he wants us to enjoy the blessings of his but we must do so in a balanced and reasonable way. The failing of self-indulgence, however, occurs when we give these higher priorities. Wow. So that's, that's maybe a heady answer to your question, mm-hmm. but it's really about just a well-ordered, well-balanced right. life. And, and where a, a virtuous desire for leisure has turned into a vice, mm-hmm. then we just need to employ it. Right, you know, right. We need to talk about it honestly as a couple, and we need to use our session you know any of those things that can help us just get back right because when the trust is broken sometimes it's not even discuss it it becomes a really hot topic yeah and we want to we want to neutralize that to the point that each person can speak their experience and their yeah and then bring healing yeah i imagine it's got to be really difficult in marriages sometimes because the person who's gaming may not be willing to make any changes or do anything about it mm-hmm. at first. Um, so I imagine you would at least recommend that the other person, the other spouse go to counseling or yeah. find some help. Do you have any recommendations for getting that other person to, to move in the right direction? You know, you know this is it, awareness is usually half the battle. Right. And um, I think the website is gamequitter.com. I'll get you the information. Okay. There's literally a survey online. And this uh, website was started by a gaming addict, mm-hmm. and he looks at those standards that the World Health Organization has said, this is what gaming addiction right. consists of. And literally, you can go online, and in a very short time, you can answer questions about habit, mm-hmm. and then it'll bring up that of, oh, yeah, this, this right. looks like it might right. for you. And it wouldn't necessarily mean, well, it might mean that for some people, but it wouldn't necessarily mean you have to completely stop gaming. Mm-hmm. but. In order to, you have to first know you have a problem, mm-hmm. as always, but yeah. you, you might have to give it up. Um, but I think it'd be worth it. Your marriage is certainly worth it. Your mm-hmm. family's worth it. Um, real quick before we go, of course, yeah. this is, can be a problem with, with families, with, yep. with kids. Yep. Is there something parents should do to keep their kids from falling into this terrible yeah. habit? <laughs> yeah, and, and for parents, I would say Common Sense Media is a great place to start okay. because they literally will list the game and then how you can keep your kids safe. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a great website. That's a website. Commonsensemedia.com. Dot org. Dot org. Commonsensemedia.org. Okay. And they have like Roblox, just all Fortnite, all the different games. And then like, this is, these are the dangers of these games. So you can do X, Y, and Z to help your child navigate. Yeah. That would be super helpful for parents because they probably don't even know what's going on in the game or what it is that makes it addictive in that way. And they're designed to be addictive. Oh yes. So just full, full disclosure. Games are designed to be. Right. Right. I, that is totally true. Even solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So everybody's got to be aware. Correct? Yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. Sarah, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. I think this is a, um, a conversation that I hope people will, will take to their real lives and just their regular lives and talk to their loved ones about it because it really can do damage to relationships. So, but there's hope. There is hope. Yeah, it's, it's. I would think, a lot easier to deal with than some other addictions, but it, it does have to be dealt with. So thanks a lot for being here. All right. If you haven't found us already on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and also now at Rumble at the handle SF Diocese. And you can also find us at our website, sfcatholic.org, anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.